0: Never, ever look back. In many myths and legends, the act of looking back is often associated with something worthy of terrible punishment, as seen in the tale of Orpheus or the fate of Lot's wife from the Old Testament. Looking back is also connected to concepts of fear and regret. Yet there are positive ideas linked with looking back, such as reminiscing or one's learning from past mistakes. How then does the act of looking back connect to the universe of destiny? Exploration of such a tether is where we find the opportunity to learn and grow. I'm Blue Crew 86 and this is a Focus Fire Chat Snapshot. Orpheus Rig, an exotic piece of leg armor specifically designed for Night Stalker hunters in Destiny 2. This particular item is acquired through decryption of an exotic engram or by purchasing it from Xur, and holds one of my favorite intrinsic perks, Uncanny Arrows. This particular perk grants ability energy for each enemy tethered by the Night Stalker's shadow shot super. Or, in plain English, the more people you trap with your super, the more super energy you gain back immediately. This translates into scenarios where you can, with a little skill and some luck, chain your ability as a Night Stalker back-to-back. As a PvE player, primarily, this ability is amazing to have, no matter if you're running solo or as part of a group. To step away from the mechanics and into the meat of this snapshot, though, let's take a quick look at the naming of this piece of armor. The first part, Orpheus, has a clear nod to the mythological figure, which we will get back to in just a moment. Another interesting note on this name is the actual historical etymology. It is argued that this name is connected to the Greek word orphny, which translates into darkness. It is also argued that orphny possibly comes from a Proto-Indo-European verb root, orb, which translates roughly as to put asunder or separate. So we have a name with potential meanings related to darkness and tearing something apart. Pretty interesting, right? The next word rig has multiple meanings, though the one that seems most appropriate to this particular application is as follows. An apparatus, device, or piece of equipment designed for a particular purpose bringing us to a description of the Orpheus rig as a piece of equipment which has been designed for a particular purpose, concerned with darkness or even possibly tearing things asunder. Given that the Night Stalker manifests their paracausal abilities through void light, we now have a connecting thread between the device described and the underlying definition of what void light is. Of course, our first step here is to clarify what we mean when we speak of the void, one of the three currently known aspects of light within Destiny's universe. So, let's start with the summary view given by the Voidwalker's Grimoire card.
1: Gifted with the Traveler's Light, armed with the secret physics of a lost age, you will tear reality asunder. Another perspective on the Void
0: given by Tyra Karn in the Shard of the Traveler Voidwalker subclash mission in Destiny 2 presents the Void as something that cannot be described, only experienced.
1: What is the Void? When you walk it... What is there to experience, as there is nothing to be seen in it? The vacuum between the stars, the smell of rot, the taste of metal, the deafening roar that can only be heard when it is truly silent. The shamans of the old world were said to have covered their eyes so they could see the dead. I believe these men and women were the first to discover the power of the void, and in the Traveler's Light, we have succeeded in refining their methods, in charting The courses they pioneered.
0: This understanding is furthered by Tevis, a hunter known to many Night Stalker players from Destiny, as the source of our guardian's own duskbow. One of the many responsibilities that his character seemed to have was that of a guide through the world for new hunters, and as such, he was in a position to educate many on the nature of the void in regards to the hunter class specifically. He further explains not only that the void is something that can't be described, but there is no room for doubt or fear when drawing from this particular source of power. A follow up from Tyra on this concept and application of void light to hunters is heard in the Shard of the Traveler Night Stalker subclass mission from Destiny 2.
1: You reach into the void, past visions of your own death and the extinction of life, past fears and nightmares, and take what you need. Fear, sight, reaching past death
0: claiming whatever you can and taking it back with you. Common themes in regards to the Void, and especially that of the Night Stalker. Which makes the next note here even more obvious in my opinion, especially in regards to this particular item. I'm speaking, of course, of the mythological figure of Orpheus. There are a number of lore scribes out there who have made some amazing connections and theories about this aspect, and I would be remiss to ignore it here myself. To those who might not know who Orpheus is, allow me to summarize here as quickly as I can his legend. Orpheus was a hero from ancient Greek legends who was endowed with a superhuman musical ability. Traditionally, it is understood that he was the son of the Muse Callipoli and Oegris, a king of Thrace. There are some versions of the myth which claim his father was Apollo, Though they all agree on the defining ability of Orpheus being his absolutely amazing ability with music, many of the legends claim his first lyre was a gift from Apollo himself, an item which would be recognizable to anyone who studied his myth as this was the constellation associated with his tales. His tales are few, but those that we have present a man of unparalleled skill. He was brought along with Jason and the Argonauts, and was responsible for saving the entire expedition from sirens by overpowering their magic with his own singing ability. It was after this journey which we see his most well-known tale, that of his marriage to the beautiful oak nymph Eurydice, only to watch her die in his arms due to a snake bite she received while running from the satyr Aristeas after they were wed. It was here that, on the advice of the nymphs and the dryads, Orpheus journeyed into the underworld, his mission to retrieve the woman he loved. Through the use of his power over music, Orpheus earned the right to guide his wife's spirit back to the land of the living, with one rule, to never look back until both had crossed the threshold into the light. Though the details vary, the ending of this chapter is always the same. Orpheus was unable to hold to the single condition set by Hades, that he should not look back before both travelers were once again in the land of the living, and Eurydices was forever returned to the land of the dead. Driven by this trauma, he became a shell of his former self, though his mastery over music and song remained intact, even in his sorrow. It was only later, when he was brutally torn limb from limb by the Maniads, that he is believed to have finally been reunited with Eurydices in death. So where to begin with the connections other than the name of the item. I would first present the actual lore entry for this particular item itself to help us there.
1: Qantas Ray has almost forgotten what colors are. For months, she has prowled the deep, shadowed catacombs of Nessus, the places where the inexplorable Vex burrowed into the rogue planet and replaced natural life with a cold, inhuman labyrinth. Light is scarce in this place, but Qantas knows how to find it how to feel for the unripples of the void, to draw light from the infinities between spaces. She knows how to roll black holes between her fingertips and how to knock her bow with the inescapable gravities of the universe. Soon, Qantas will leave this place, return to the city, report her findings. see colors again. But that won't last long. She is a night stalker. Out here, balanced upon the infinitesimal knife's edge, is where she truly belongs.
0: The Legend of Orpheus speaks to a few aspects of the Night Stalker, but one of the most obvious is that of someone who is willing to forgo the comfort of civilization in the pursuit of the treasures of our lost worlds. In the figure of Rey, we are shown that some Night Stalkers recognize this as their true place in the world, alone in the dark and twisting catacombs of the Forgotten. There is an intriguing and possibly deep connection in the etymology of Ray that connects back to a particular style of tombs found in the European countries, known as passage graves, which were basically narrow passageways that were made of large stones and connected one or more burial chambers generally covered in dirt or stone. The entire network was completely underground, creating a tunnel system that in many cases was aligned in such a way that at significant points in the year, the sun would shine into the passage. A note here. This could be seen as a nod to the concept of entering into a literal land of the dead, as we see in the myth of Orpheus and with the lore entry we just read. An interesting deviation from the Orpheus myth, however, can be seen in Ray's acknowledgment of her truly belonging in the in the underworld, not the land of the living and of color, but the cold, inhuman catacombs where her prey resides where Orpheus sought to return to the land of living with his beloved and failed ultimately due to something innately human that exists within all of us, Rey seems to be a dark mirror. She is in the underworld already, readying for a trip back to the light and the living. And she seems to be looking back not out of fear, but out of longing for the familiarity of the knife's edge that is her true home. Because at the end, that's what makes a Night Stalker. no fear. No regrets, just acceptance of the job that is before them and all of the necessary actions that are required to achieve a successful hunt. The Night Stalker doesn't look back out of fear, if they look back at all. It is to make sure that their tracks are covered and their path is clear of others such as themselves. Hunters of monsters who have accepted that in order to light the way, they must draw from the void. Orpheus feared what followed him, or didn't follow him, depending on the version of the myth that you hear. For night stalkers, the warning to never look back isn't meant to speak of the act of reflection, it is meant to serve as a guide to becoming the monster that other monsters fear. It is meant to reveal the truth that hides in the edge of light, the deeper truth hidden beneath even that truth that only a few are able to see and accept. The truth is that monsters do not fear the night. They fear those who stalk in the night. Those who tether them to a void in which their end is delivered without hesitation, without mercy. Because it is against that stalker that there is no hiding or escape. A night stalker lives and dies by the draw of their bow. There is no room in that for fear or hesitation. The myth of Orpheus shows the cost of that clearly. To allow the fear to make you look back is to allow that fear to take from you everything you hold dear. You might be willing to go into the bowels of hell itself to retrieve that, but if you can't control your fear, at the end of the journey, you will only lose it again. Yet there is something else that the Orpheus myth shows, something that Margaret Atwood in her second poem within the Orpheus and Eurydice cycle presents beautifully. Orpheus might have failed in his quest to return Eurydice to the land of the living, but even in the face of that crushing defeat, he continued to sing. He continued to move forward as best he could with the wounds to his soul that her loss caused, and that stubbornness to bend a knee, that defiance, is something else that would be good for any guardian to take note of. With that, I would like to close this snapshot with Atwood's poem. Whether he will go on singing or not, knowing what he knows of the horror of this world. He was not wandering among meadows all this time. He was down there, among the mouthless ones, among those with no fingers, those whose names are forbidden, those washed up eaten, into among the grey stones of the shore where nobody goes through fear, those with silence. He has been trying to sing love into existence again, and he has failed. Yet he will continue to sing, in the stadium crowded with the already dead, who raise their eyeless faces to listen to him, while the red flowers grow up and splatter open against the walls. They have cut off both his hands, and soon they will tear his head from his body in one burst of furious refusal. He foresees this, yet he will go on singing, and in praise. To sing is either praise or defiance. Praise is defiance. I'm truly looking forward to exploring more of these connections with you all in the future. Please let me know if there's a particular item that you would like to see a snapshot on through our email, focusfirechat at gmail.com, or over on the Discord server. And as always, focus your fire, and may your light shine bright. This episode of Focus Fire Chat Snapshot was produced and written by me, BlueCrew86, with research assistance by Rhino666 from DestinyArmoryDefined.com and Unisys12. Music was provided by Kevin McLloyd from Incompetech.com. For more information like the details discussed here, please be sure to check out FocusFireChat.com and join us for a chat over on the Discord server, links to which can be found on our website.